Well, I've mentioned that uh, we've been anxious to speak live on the air with Mr. Stephen Sidero, who is co-founder and co-president of Blue Mountain Capital Management. For us, even more importantly, and we'll see if he agrees with that, he is vice chair of uh, the Birthright Foundation, which has uh, played a role, a significant role in modern Jewish history uh, in getting as many people as possible of uh, a Jewish descent to Israel. That number now, believe it or not, is over 500,000. We're talking about half a million that have taken advantage of the incredible offer from Birthright uh, to go and enjoy Israel as a young adult if they're uh, between the age of 18 and 26. And as I mentioned earlier, as we introduced Mr. Sidero, one of the uh, even more significant things is that he's one of those people in Manhattan that is uh, extremely anxious to have a proper and um, prominent Mincha Minion in his office every single day. Mr. Stephen Sidero, welcome to JM in the AM. Nachum, it's great to be here, and uh, that's right, I think you've got all, you've hit all the highlights, uh, the, the, the Blue Mountain, the Birthright Israel Foundation, and yes, we do have a daily Mincha uh, in our office, in my office, uh, every day. But isn't it interesting that when you walk into this room, the priorities completely flip. Out there in the business world, they might think Blue Mountain is the most important thing you do, and for us, Mincha hits the top of the list. <laughs> that's very true. Isn't that amazing? It's very true well i'm uh it's uh it's wonderful to bring people together and uh, we dive in every day we also um bring in some speakers periodically and host some lunches we're having one actually on uh, uh on mon- next monday a week from today uh in the afternoon we'll be hosting uh uh, Rabbi Brad Hirschfeld from Klal, and we're also going to be uh, having lunch, davening, and uh, also raising a glass of some brown liquor, I think, even though it'll be uh, only Monday. Well, it's still a For couple, Lechaim, right, yeah, a couple yeah. days before Purim, sure. why not, the month of Adar. Uh, but what's unusual, and I'm glad we're starting with this, frankly, because to me it's so significant. <laughs> um, what, what's interesting and unusual is that most Mincha Minyanim, I might even argue everyone except yours in Manhattan, takes place in a building, in a conference room, in someone's office. You, for some reason, even with your prominent stature at the company, insist, or at least it seems that way to me, that the minion actually take place in your office. Don't you find that unusual? Well, it could be. I, I, have, a, I have a decent-sized office, but I thought it's, it's important, and I got some learning um, about this from... Uh, uh, the rabbi, one of the rabbis that I listened to periodically at uh, Orzarua, um, and he said it was important that if you do something like this, you do it in a way that is open and obvious to, to people around you. You should do it like putting the menorah in the window. You want to be very open and obvious about it. So rather than putting it in a conference room in the back where no one would see, I thought it was important to have it in my own office, which has a big glass wall and is open and, and visible to everyone uh, outside in the firm. So I thought that was uh, an important piece of learning and something we try to put into practice. I found it to be out of the ordinary, but it's amazing. I think it's just incredible that you, you are you are giving your office and telling everybody that this is a priority. Yeah, it's a priority, and it's open to anybody who wants to come. Right. And uh, I should also, uh, I got to sh- do a shout out to Barry Rosenthal, who is uh, the whip hand, who sends out the email every day to make sure we have 10. But now we're usually at 10, <laughs> 15, 20 people come every day, so it's pretty easy. Unbelievable. Uh, sometimes, in fact, there could be standing room only there in that office. That, that is true. <laughs> uh, but you would think, and again, I won't harp on this, but maybe it sounds like I am. You would think that there are some high-powered meetings, some you know important meetings and decisions being made in that office, and that when Mincha starts or the time for Mincha arrives, it would be advantageous 
for you and your your um, colleagues to continue that meeting and to and to really you know get the deal done. Let's put it that way. Well, there's always you know there's a place for there's a place for business. There's the time to stop and uh, and do some praying and some reflecting and some meditation. And that's I think what people use it for. And it's important to take that pause out during the day. Uh, but I will also say. Uh, that the group that we bring together, uh, there, there is some business that gets done maybe before and afterwards, which is also uh, not inconsistent with the practice. If you think about the fact that uh, in the Alexandria Synagogue in, in, in Egypt, um, in the first and second century, they divided people up by profession, right. and they sat by profession to uh, to bring people together to maybe do some business in addition well, to doing networking. It's all good. <laughs> so we do some networking too, as well as some praying. But we do the the pause is important. For but sure. you, but you do know. I mean, look, I've seen enough you know movies about the business world. You do know that it could be frustrating for the people you're meeting with when they're told, you know, we need a 15 minute break. When they're told, you know, this is even though even though you're about to sign on the dotted line, we're going to take a break for 15 well, minutes. Well, you got to have. Your priorities, and it's a we, we make sure it's a priority every day, and that's uh, something we commit to. And it's so. never affected a deal or the business world. Not either. never affected a deal in a negative <laughs> way. I think it's only been a positive. Amazing. Uh, so, in addition to um, in addition to your uh, to your leadership in the business world, uh, at some point you became familiar with an organization called Birthright, one that I think everybody in this audience has either heard of or, or and some of them have taken advantage of, frankly, to get to Israel. Uh, as a youngster between the age of 18 and 26. Do you remember when you first heard about this organization? Yeah, I first heard about Birthright on a trip with an organization called Natan. Mm. And Natan uh, is, still exists. I was part of it uh, more active uh, earlier. But uh, it's it, Natan was, uh, is an organization that brings together a number of uh, philanthropists. They give each a certain amount of money, and then the group decides how to how to give the money out to different organizations. It's And it's committed to organizations in Israel for economic development and change and for Jewish peoplehood and continuity. And at that time, this is, must have been um, over 10 years ago. I'm thinking back. My kids are eight. Mm-hmm. I was married for 10 years, and this was before I got married, so it must have been 12 years ago. Uh, my, my now wife and I went on this Natan trip, and and, it, and Natan was giving money to Birthright because Birthright was in its infancy. This was, Birthright was only six, five or six years old. Right. It was much smaller. It was just getting started. And it was a recipient of a Natan grant. And we went to visit with, with a um, Birthright group, um, first in Sfat, and then we went to a big event that they had for all the participants in Jerusalem. And we were incredibly impressed uh, by the quality of the programming, the quality uh, of the of the of the young people that were there, and the impact that we saw it having on their Jewish identity, their consciousness, their connection uh, to the land and the people of Israel. That's something that's noticeable on the spot during their first trip. You could see already the impact. You could see it happening. You see it happening live, and it's part. I think it's because of the quality and the thought that goes into the trip itself. It's not. We like to say it's not a sightseeing trip but it's an insight-seeing trip. And the entire experience is highly educational and curated, uh, primarily by Zohar Raviv, who is the head of the educational division. Um, And he does all the training for the guides and helps the different organizations that provide the trip to curate the educational experience. And it's because of that, I think that, that, you know, um, we we also like to say... um, that in a, that a lot can happen in ten days. Right. The trip is ten days, but the impact lasts a lifetime. Steve Sidero is here as we talk about his role, vice chair, Birthright Israel. There's a leap, and maybe that's the wrong word. I guess we could call it a process from that initial 
uh, you know, view that initial uh, tour of a birthright trip in Israel and then eventually becoming vice chair of the organization. Right. T- take us slowly through this. How does somebody develop uh, an interest and, and really a commitment that gets them to be that involved with the organization down the road? Well, I think like the trip, you know, it starts with the spark. That's that the, 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 I think my journey is similar to many uh, who actually go on the birthright uh, experience now. Although when I was uh, 18 to 26, there was no birthright right. Israel. I had to figure it out on my own. Um, but that spark was lit on that trip. And then when we got back, I wanted to learn more about the organization. And it turned out actually, that a good friend of mine, Lori Blitzer, you might want to have her on the air one day, she's fantastic, does a tremendous amount for the Jewish community. She worked at McKinsey and Company, where I also used to work, for the original group of philanthropists that came together to create Birthright. Mm. So she worked on the project to help design the program and think about what it could be. I learned from Lori more about the organization and got got involved in the local New York City Council to help raise money and awareness for Birthright Israel Foundation. And the foundation, of course, exists to raise money for the trip that takes place in Israel. So just to give you a couple of facts, we have about 35,000 donors across the United States that provide support. Um, We raise about $100 million a year. Um, from a variety of sources. There are a few very large supporters, like the Adelson Family right. Foundation, which is one of our largest, but there are 35,000 supporters across the United States. And I got involved first in New York City with the New York City Council, and then uh, over time learned more, uh, went to Israel on several other occasions, and then eventually was asked to join the board uh, a number of years ago, and then a couple of years ago was asked to become the vice chair of the board along with Phil Rosen, who's my co-vice chair, and Tom Stern, who is the chair of the board currently. Wow, unbelievable. And the two names that we had always heard through the last 20 years associated with Birthright, one Adelson, as you yes. just said, and one Michael Steinhardt, who was yep. very involved. Michael for- Steinhardt was one of the original uh, group of philanthropists that got it started, along with Charles Bronfman uh, and Lynn Schusterman. So Schusterman, mm. Steinhardt, and Bronfman were the three original, and of course they're still very supportive. And uh, of course the Adelsons are, are one of our largest uh, supporters uh, and have been uh, tremendously uh, uh, and supportive of the of the organization and its mission uh, to really light this spark uh, amongst uh, young Jewish uh, uh, people in uh, in the United States and from all over the world to really connect to what I call Jewish civilization, um, whether it's religion, culture, uh, the the sovereignty that exists in the state of Israel, um, and begin a lifelong journey uh, for themselves uh, of how they want to be part of. Uh, the Jewish community and the Jewish world. Steve Sidero is here, Vice Chair of Birthright. Um, it's interesting you mentioned how that core group, you said at McKenzie, right? Mm-hmm. That core group, uh, immediately it sounds like, based on what you what you told us, uh, set this up as a quote-unquote corporate entity. And I don't mean that in a negative way yep. as well. What I'm saying is that if, if you're going to, and I wonder if this is a, a philosophy that, that, that should be noted, if you're going to take a not-for-profit and a large project seriously, it has to be done with the same attitude and really with the same formula that you would a corporate entity. Would that be a, a way of putting yeah, it? Yeah, well, I think they they took some very important lessons from the business world and applied them to the development of Birthright, um, one of which, which still exists today, is really one of the core, core principles of how it's set up. It is a franchise model, and that is mm-hmm. to say the organization, Taglit, sets up certain minimum standards um, and really, as I said, sets the educational agenda um, ensures the quality of the speakers, the quality of the, edu- the tour educators, etc. But then the actual execution of the trip, that is 
organizing the flights, picking folk. You know, there's a lot of right. logistics. Nuts and, you bolts, know, huh? nuts and bolts. You got to get the, the people from the airport to the hotel and from the hotel to the site. And then you got to feed them and you got to make sure everything is working. That is out. That is uh, those those are provided by. I think at this point there are ten different, some for profit, some not for profit tour operators, and Birthright Israel or Taglit in in Israel, run by Giddy Mark, is responsible for making sure that those guys are actually in competition for one another, which with for, uh, with one another to attract uh, participants and to deliver high quality. And if they do not, if they're not, if they're unsuccessful at attracting students or attra- attracting participants, or they fail to uphold the minimum standards of the franchise, uh, they're no longer able to offer the trip. Wow. And so it creates I a didn't kind realize of, uh, there were very, guidelines like that. There are guidelines and there are standards, and it's not unlike other franchises. Right. I mean, I mean, one of the, you, you guys, you of course know the, the various restaurant franchises sure. that exist, and there's centralized uh, control and standards, and if you don't meet those standards uh, you're out, and some are more profitable than others. So that's how the model is set up, and I think um, it creates a kind of uh, healthy level of competition and, and helps us ensure quality. And importantly, I should mention, is that, of course, the trip has not been static. It's now been 18 years. We just celebrated our 18th anniversary, so it's only 18 years. And as you mentioned, um, we've actually sent over 600,000. It's 600 already? It's 600,000, and if you include the Mifkashim, the right. Israeli participants, it's more like 650,000. And it's an important number, of course, because if, as you may recall, six hundred thousand there were six hundred thousand uh, uh, Israelites that left Egypt and crossed the Sinai and That's came to Israel. That's a nation, <laughs> and there were about six hundred thousand Jews in Israel at the founding of the state in nineteen forty-eight. So we think we connect with uh, the original Exodus to the founding of the state of Israel, and we've now um, exceeded that number. We've got about about six hundred fifty thousand participants. And we want to continue to grow that number. Uh, we're sending about 50,000 young people every year uh, from all over the world, mostly uh, the U.S. and Canada, but also from Argentina, Brazil, France, uh, the former Soviet Union, um, all over the world. And I should, of course, there's another 20,000 or so that are, or 15,000 per year, that are Israelis that participate on the trip because we also build connections directly between young Israelis in the same age cohort, 18 right. to 26-year-old Israelis, most of whom are in are in active military service that participate on the trips and build those real human bonds between diaspora young people and Israelis of the same age cohort. So now I understand better uh, because of the franchise model you mentioned why certain groups uh, create and encourage specialty programs. Uh, sure, a cooking trip, a sports trip, and then there are about a hundred others we can name. Yes. this is all in the interest of just trying to attract as many people as possible. Exactly. So it is a model that, as a, because of that, there is constant innovation. Right. Uh, you can't the, the trip that the trips that run today are not the same trips that ran fifteen years ago, and they have to change because, as you know, young people, their demands, their interests, culture evolves and changes. And so there are, there's a constant uh, uh, work to innovate and to make relevant the content that takes place on these trips. And yes, there are a number of niche trips, we call them, uh, that might focus on things like cooking, culture, outdoors activities, uh, social justice, or others kind of um, uh, social programming. High There's, tech is probably high a High tech one is one. a very popular one, one of the most popular, where you get introduced to uh, uh, high tech companies in Israel, and we also, of course, run um, another specialty kind of trip. Happens to be for people with special needs, and those special needs can be both cognitive and physical, or a combination thereof. Um, because our view is, you know, everyone, every Jew, uh, 
at that age, 18 to 26, should be offered the possibility of a gift of this trip to Israel, regardless of their physical or mental conditions. And those trips are incredibly moving when you see um, some people who have difficulty uh, either walking, talking, etc., being uh, brought to Israel and having this type of experience. Uh, it'll bring tears to your eyes. So uh, it's an, another another type of trip that we run. Um, and, of course, I always got to bring it back to the fact that this all, all costs money. Uh, we don't have an endowment. We have to raise roughly $150 million every year. Just to do the very, very quick math, it's 50,000 people. It's 3,000 per person. That's $150 million. Um, the foundation in the U.S. raises about 100 of it. The other 50 comes from uh, the Israeli government. This Again, these are very I'm, – I'm, I apologize to anyone who I'm <laughs> – these numbers are, are round numbers. I'm not getting – there's, of course, some money that comes from Israelis directly. There's some money that's raised internationally as well. But broadly speaking, um, it's 100 from the U.S. foundation and 50 from uh, the Israeli government to cover that cost. But each year, we started roughly at zero. Although I will say we are working on and have begun to get many more multi-year gifts so we don't start the year at zero. We have some sense that we have some cash available to fund these trips. But it is, it is, it's expensive. It requires uh, the community uh, to support us. Um, and we're out there, um, the leadership of the board, um, as, well as, as well as others are out there constantly looking for, for more support uh, from the community uh, at large. Steve Sidero is here, Vice Chair of Birthright. And that, by the way... Uh, or now I should say, not that, but now is a good time to remind everybody that in reality, it's not just a cliche, in reality, every participant is paying zero. And I know that that's hard to believe after what you described, all the nuts and bolts and details have to be taken care of and the programming that takes place and the the um, supervisors that are you know there to take care of everything. They, they You literally pay zero. I mean, it's not like one of these deals where you tell a, you know, a kid between 18 and 26, give us 100 bucks. And you're going to get one of these trips. It's absolutely nothing. It's it's a gift, um, yeah. as we like to say. And uh, but the impact is really there. Um, if you look at some of the statistics, and we and we do a lot of it's the other principle I think that we brought from the business world. We're constantly evaluating ourselves, seeing whether the program is having the impact it's designed to have to to build that connectivity, to to create that commitment and that sense of community. Um, and if I you know can say uh, uh, you know amichad goralichad. And I think that is, you know, encapsulates what the mission is. And if you look at the statistics, and we do do this kind of testing regularly in partnership with universities, et cetera, uh, 80% of uh, participants say they've had a life-changing experience. Mm. 30% go back to Israel. Many of them actually bring their parents back to Israel. They're much more likely to build a Jewish home. Uh, and if you, the, uh, from what, one of the things that I do, the, the, the quick and easy test aside from all these statistics is, Next time you, you're, you're with a group of people who are in that age cohort or even a little bit older, ask them how many participated in Birthright, and you'll see hands go up all over the place. Or next time you're in any kind of Jewish organization, whether it's a federation organization, Moisha House, uh, uh, any local uh, Jewish day school, etc., and you see uh, staff members uh, in their 20s, 30s, or even early 40s, ask them how many participated in Birthright, and you will see that the leadership of the Jewish community today in the United States are birthright alumni. It's amazing. Um, not that this is birthright's uh, problem, because frankly, after what you just described, they really do enough. <laughs> but, but I know that even you're concerned about this because we spoke about this privately, and that is follow-up after birthright. Mm -hmm. uh, you, as somebody, again, who's helping to facilitate all these journeys to Israel, 
and and again as a as a casual observer one would say i mean if you're if you're helping fund and arrange that yep. you've you've really done what you need to do nonetheless even someone like yourself is concerned about what happens to that young man or young woman when they come back to the US and that birthright trip is in the rearview mirror that's correct so what who are some of the organizations if there are and people that in fact are taking that subject very seriously yeah well there 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 are as you know um a real uh, there's a huge marketplace of jewish organizations in the united states and around the world that are there to sort of take up these participants after they get back and they've got that glow and that commitment and they wanted to get more involved and we've actually um uh we do and are partnering uh, with a number of these organizations through uh, a, something we're rolling out right now in its sort of uh, beta testing phase, and it's a new app. It's a new app that you put on your phone for all birthright participants, and they have to get the app prior to going on the trip. They meet their other participants right. from their trip on the app. They actually have their packing list, which is very important on the app, and their travel information, and they use that pre-trip, during the trip, and then when they get back, that app also has connectivity to, at this point, I think 70 or 80 different organizations, both national and local, and that list is growing, um, that connect them with their local federations, with local Moisha House, uh, with local schools, with local uh, social organizations that are involved in the Jewish community. And then our view is we're going to let, going back to your earlier point about uh, business, right. we'll, let, we'll let those participants self-select and let the marketplace work and where they want to connect, they will be able to connect. But this app then gives them all the kind of information about what is available in their community to then follow up with whatever um, dimension of Jewish civilization, of Jewishness, that they want to continue. And, and um, our view is, uh, and, and, is uh, and this is a, you know, my, my own way of saying it, you know, there's lots of different ways to Jew, and we don't really care how they Jew as long as they're Jewing more than they used to Jew. So um, uh, we let them select the ways in which they want to participate in the community. Um, and we're working now uh, to build the number of partners that are available on the app so that folks can self-select and have the information at hand to make those decisions for themselves. All right. And um, as the... <laughs> I mean, this is no secret now in 2019 because of the sophisticated uh, statistics and data that's available. You'll be able to obviously track yeah. what every one of those participants is doing Jewishly, whether they're completely ignoring all your partners on the app or if they're diving in and taking advantage of the partners that's on exactly the app. exactly right. We'll be able to track it just like um, other organizations, and I'm sure that data will be important for the organizations themselves with whom we're partnering to see uh, what if what they're offering is compelling or not and what they have to change and evolve and adapt uh, to continue to build their audience. Is it tough to keep up the enthusiasm for this project? And I don't mean the app. I'm talking about Birthright in general. Is it hard or as long as you keep meeting people like yourself who are willing to you know make a commitment of hours per week, then, then the enthusiasm is there? I think the enthusiasm is there and it continues to grow. All you have to do is meet some of the alumni um, and hear their stories um, and how the program and that 10-day experience changes their lives uh, and, and impacts them in a positive way and connects them to their Jewish heritage and their Jewish birthright and allows them uh, to, re to lead uh, a richer, more fulfilling, and better life. And that's really the, the point of birthright is to provide that enriched educational experience that empowers people to live a, a more fulfilled uh, life through through Jew through through Jewishness. It's also interesting, as you noted earlier, 
that uh, a percentage, would love to know what the percentage is, but whatever it is, it's significant, of the participants actually end up living in Israel. Sure, there is some. Num- there are some number of people that um, will make Aliyah, but um, as we always point out, the purpose of the trip is not to uh, 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 support or to encourage Aliyah, although, of course, once you go to Israel, right. it's nothing wrong it's, with it. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great country. It's beautiful. It's got wonderful people, excellent food, great climate, beaches, etc. And some people want to stay. And whether they stay for a long time or a short time, uh, what what often they do do though is they do extend their trip. So after the birthright trip is over, many do extend. And we offer some official extension programs that actually can be offered or can uh, can earn college credit, like some language classes uh, with Ulpan Org and others, um, as well as other kinds of official extensions. But also people, many of the participants also just elect to stay a little bit longer to, to extend their experience. And as you say, um, some uh, do make Aliyah, um, but uh, again, that's not the uh, that's not the point of the trip. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com on the AlchemSingle network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. We're speaking with Steve Sidero, who is here. He is the vice chair of uh, Birthright. We mentioned earlier, and if you missed any of it, you got to hear the archive. We mentioned that he's got a uh, Mincha Minion in Midtown Manhattan in his office, and I don't mean in his conference room or somewhere on that floor. I mean in his actual office, which I found fascinating. And he is the co-founder and co-president of Blue Mountain Capital Management. And, uh, you know, some might hear about your business resume and say to themselves, you know, you're so involved in high financial stuff on a daily basis. I, I guess that's a layman's way of putting it, right? Okay, you, you can put it any way you want, yes. <laughs> and, you know, important business decisions, etc., uh, how is it that you feel it's so important to dedicate the time that you do to a, a cause like birthright? And parenthetically, I had a call last week from a very prominent businessman in this city who uh, was listening to one of my interviews about a cause that we were we were promoting, and he said, "You know, thank God you do these interviews because I feel like I should just take a year off from work mm. and just dedicate myself to <laughs> very tempting to, to something to something real, you know, doing something for people and and walking into these schools and and you know extending myself with my services, whatever I could do for them. And you know there are and 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 having you here today, I think gives us an opportunity to in fact, wake up some of the people out there who are dominated by the business world and who really can't take that 15-minute break from Mincha before the uh, signature is on the dotted right. line and you know, and don't understand why it's so important to dedicate some time to these things. What would you say? Well, I would say that the reason I do it is very simple. It's because I love it, right? I love uh, being Jewish. I love the state of Israel. I love uh, participating in the community. I love davening uh, in the afternoon. That's why I do it. I, this is uh, it's America. No one. These are all choices we have to make. And so uh, the reason I do it is because I love it, um, and it's easy to to make to to, to dedicate the time because um, what I'm really doing is I'm I'm sharing the things that I love with other people. So it's pretty easy if you start from that place, which is I love Israel, I love Jewishness, I love our our heritage, our civilization, and I just want other people, and I'm excited about it, and I want to share it with them. Um, it, it's pretty easy uh, to find the time. So, so if someone gave you the choice for real about how to spend your day, it would be more birthright than 
Blue Mountain. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that exactly because I also love what I do um, in the business in, in the business world. I love both things, right. and it's great to be able to combine them in ways and find ways that they can they can actually help each other. So it is the case that I can, as a business person, someone running a business and having to manage people and make decisions, that I can use the 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 enjoyment and the love and the and, and the energy that I can uh, uh, devote to that to also at the same time that can help. Uh, in other in other ways, right? Because with that, it'll like, if if without without Blue Mountain, I wouldn't have the the office to have the mincha, right? Right, and and to have the folks come and and some of the connectivity uh, that I have from uh, my work uh, in the business world helps me to connect with other people to be supportive of things like birthright. So I think the two go hand in hand. Um, and I know I'm not sure that doing you, you don't have to choose between one right. or the other. You do both. Uh, and they help. They both help build each other um, and make the other one better. But my point being that there are people listening right now who are very involved in the business community who really have not learned to appreciate extending themselves in the not-for-profit world. And you're here with many messages today, but one of them I think would be try it out because you have no idea how fulfilling it would yeah, be. Yeah, I agree. And there's there are uh, you know my wife and I um, Saskia uh, have decided on you know for us there are. Uh, three big things that we get involved with. One is very much in the Jewish world. It's Birthright and other Jewish organizations. The other is we're very committed uh, to palliative medicine through the Hertzberg Palliative Medicine uh, uh, Center at Sinai Hospital. And the final one uh, that we're very involved with is arts in New York City, particularly performing arts. Uh, So I'm going to give a a shout-out to Ars Nova, the other board that I sit on. Um, and it's a wonderful organization that supports emerging uh, performing artists in New York City. And you, know you know who the main tenant in this building is? Uh, it's up, uh, Paul the, Taylor. Paul Taylor Dance Studio. <laughs> so yeah, not not dissimilar. So we've got a wonderful theater, and we've got uh, a new uh, a new space down in uh, uh, in at Greenwich House on Barrow Street. So uh, those are the three big things we've made that decision. And Jewishness and 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 the Jewish world is one of the big ones, um, but there are others and. Uh, so to your point, I think it's uh, incredibly fulfilling to both be able to be uh, active in the for-profit business world at the same time, find your passion and your interests in the not-for-profit world and where you uh, individually want to make a difference um, in, in, in the world. So that's what it is for us. And as I said, you know, Birthright's uh, uh, top of the list. Finally, could someone like myself who couldn't get through Echo 101 understand what Blue Mountain does? Sure. We, it's, it's, it's quite simple. We, we live in a capitalist, capitalist world, a capitalist country, capitalist system, and capital must be allocated, and, and someone's got to do it. So that's part of what we do. Well, we, we, we manage money on behalf of uh, large institutions, mostly pension funds, insurance companies, and we try to find ways uh, to invest it thoughtfully and sensibly to generate adequate returns for their 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 uh, their constituents, which mostly are are, are retired uh, uh, teachers and and state employees and and people who have insurance policies. So it's uh, it's uh, it's um, it's pretty straightforward, but um, it requires a lot of effort and energy. And we've got a great team that does it. Yeah, you have a wonderful staff. Huh? Yeah, great great bunch of people. Uh, well, I knew I'd enjoy your visit here. I didn't realize I'd enjoy it this much, but I really appreciate you being here. Uh, Steve Sidero from Blue Mountain Capital Management is vice chair of Birthright Israel. And um, I hope everybody out there has had an opportunity, especially if you're in the business world, to hear this interview in its entirety. If you missed any of it, obviously it's available later on today 
in the archive section at NahumSiegel.com. Thanks, Nahum. It's great a- being here. A happy Purim to you. Yes, Chag Sameach. And we should note that next week, those who do attend your Mincha service will have some Purim bonuses. We'll have Purim bonuses. <laughs> we've got lunch, we've got Hamantashen, and we've got uh, all kinds of brown liquor for Lachaim on Monday the 18th. Uh, you can get in touch with us. We've still got a little bit of room left. Thank you very much for being here today. Thanks, Nachum. More coming up. You're listening to a very interesting Monday morning edition of JM in the AM. (laughs) 